Bloody Instructions. A Story of Conspiracy on the Plain of Fiora by Sean Maine and Mel Lee. The city of Pagliano is quickly descending into political chaos. Meanwhile, the goblins Grenzo and Doretti have plans to cause chaos of a different kind. It was a sweltering night, but the fireworks on the streets kept Pollyano aglow. A lone sentry stood at his post. In the distance, the festival of our Sovereign Lady's Grace raged. Obscene profusions of color and light danced their way through the plaza, loudly declaring the populace's love for its new sovereign. Drink was flowing. This morning they whispered about Marchesa's legitimacy to the throne, but tonight they sang her praises. The sentry, however, had neither song nor drink. He considered abandoning his post, but... No, he remained steadfast, guarding the home of an old buffoon of a man from the Fallen Academy. Royal Decree had recently dissolved the institution, long considered the seat of knowledge and study. Stripped of his professional stature, the academic was now simply a citizen. A very old and very paranoid citizen. Night after night he stood here, and night after night the academic told him to remain alert. And it annoyed the guard. He knew the academic had been instrumental in bringing cogwork to Pagliano, back before it was outlawed, but who would care about some forgotten relic of a dead institution? In an alleyway across from his post, the sentry spotted a toothy smile. A goblin, small, probably just a child, watched him. The guard waved. Go home, kid. The goblin slunk back into the shadows. Then, suddenly something came flying at the guard from the alleyway. Small and round, it arced through the air toward him. An overripe, mealy tomato splattered across his carefully polished armor and spilled down the plate like blood. Kid, get out of here! From the shadows of an adjacent alleyway, another missile came hurtling toward him. An apple this time, with an impact to his helmet that set his ears ringing before it bounced to the ground. He spun in the direction it came from. A volley of vegetables, heads of lettuce, bundles of carrots sailed toward him. It was like someone had catapulted a fruit cart. From the alley, he could see a dozen squinting eyes on green faces. They chortled and laughed. The sound seemed to reverberate all around him. You filthy goblin scum! What's your game? Then, from behind, he heard something else. He spun around again to see a glass bottle sailing through the night air in his direction. It landed at his feet with a burst of liquid that erupted instantly in flames. He stumbled backward, flames burning on the street. He looked around and spotted the mob. They smiled back at him. Some held torches, some weapons. One had a cart full of rotting vegetables. Weapon raised, he raced for them. 
The mob turned and scattered, tripping over themselves and abandoning their cart to get away from his wrath, laughing all the while. Waiting in the shadows nearby, Duretti shifted uncomfortably in his chair. He watched after the fleeting guard and the goblin mob. Buffoonery! <laughs> Amateurs! The street was empty again, but the distraction hardly seemed like a certainty. From beside him, Grenzo hobbled across the cobblestones, a hunched but hulking figure of a goblin. They're passionate, like wildfire. You just need to get them started in the right place. He reached the unguarded door, his huge frame hoisted by his staff. Three of his tiny lackeys hurried to catch up with him. Doretti gripped the arms of his chair. This was not the delicately orchestrated night of revenge he had planned. Grenzo looked at the door and shook the knob. It gave a satisfying rattle of heavy metal tumblers and latches, but refused to give. He grinned. Will you at least maintain a modicum of quiet? Bah! I will have you know that I've been breaking down doors since before you had hair on your cheeks. One sharp thump from his staff, and the villa door crashed to the ground. If Marchesa wants to hang up her poisons and wear a new hat, that's her business. But if she wants to take away my keys and knock me out of my dungeons, then we're coming to the surface and we'll make our own doors. The goblins answered with a chorus of shrieking cheers. Doretti scowled and looked over his shoulder. You worry too much. Embrace not knowing. Besides... Grenzo pointed up at the fireworks exploding overhead. Who could hear us over this squall? Grenzo waved and his lackeys rushed in. Go forth and claim your bounty, my beautiful cubs! He stepped inside, alive in the darkness, soaking in the treasures of the villa. The crowd of goblins flooded into the foyer, covering the pristine, trestian blue marble columns with kerosene fingerprints. One grabbed the hide of a rare albino feline from its artful arrangement over a chair and repurposed it into a handsome cape. From vaulted ceilings above them, framed portraits of aristocratic forebears sneered down at the mob. Doretti entered more cautiously, maneuvering his chair around the fallen door. Uh, perhaps, old man, perhaps. But also consider, who could sleep through all this? Upstairs, Zadris Fimarel tossed back and forth in his bed. He could hear the pomp and grandeur outside through latched windows. Through the curtains, flashes of garish reds, blues, purples, and greens from the fireworks illuminated his room. The spectacles he left on his nightstand vibrated to the drumbeat of drunken parade heralds. It wasn't a sound so unfamiliar to him once. Once. Once those heralds had trumpeted his approach. Once he'd commanded crowds of his own. Back in his academy days. He'd been their darling, and they'd been his world. A world he moved through with ease. Family members opened doors for him, and he played the system like an artist. 
He was never a genius, he knew that, but one invention, the universal cog, who could even say whether it was his own, a whole lot of handshaking, a few books, a few lectures, and he was set for life. Let the Muzios of the world toil in their laboratories, until it all came crashing down. Three city guards lay unconscious on the floor, pinned under a toppled bookshelf. Broken vases and mangled paintings lay all around, a sign of their fray with the goblins. As his underlings went about the task of tying up the guards, Grenzo pulled out his loot sack and returned to the wall of bookshelves. I thought you told me this guy was some kind of big deal, but this is all junk. A dank sewer is more luxurious than this festering heap. With a sweep of his staff, books tumbled to the floor. He tapped at the wall behind. Nothing. Hmm. I told you he was considered to be a forbear to the field of cogwork. Duretti lifted a fallen volume. He cringed. Principles of Cogwork Autonomy, a comprehensive treatise on constructing mechanical life. Duretti thumbed through the pages, but he knew it all only too well. But your observation is accurate. The professor was in all ways a fraud. Grenzo moved on to an exquisitely carved rosewood desk inlaid with opaline stones. Every drawer was carefully locked. With a heave, he brought his staff down onto the center. Splinters of rosewood flew off, and locks scattered across the floor. Inside, he found nothing but stacks and stacks of papers. Duretti picked one up and read. It was a personal note from a supposed academic luminary, full of effusive praise for Femorel's genius. Grenzo grabbed a handful and dropped them into his sack. What is your goal here, old man? This is nothing but garbage. No. Grenzo hoisted his bag and packed it underneath the hump of his hunchback. This is fuel. Duretti made a face. In the volume was a folded piece of paper. He opened it. Ha! Old man, do you know what this is? It's the blueprints for a cogwork century, one of the first of its kind intended for municipal security. He laid out the sheet on the desk. Ugh, look at these appendages. Oh, such a mess. The power requirements alone must have cost a small fortune. Oh, garbage. Can you imagine the team of technicians it would have required to... Talk, talk, talk. It's all garbage. Every word in here. You gave your life to the Academy. You dedicated your existence to that braying pack of blowhards. You begged for scraps from them. You dedicated yourself to that apprentice, Muzio. And what did he do for you? What did they all do to you? Well, the Academy is dead, and Muzio is exiled. And do you know why? Because all it takes is a few open locks, and a few great inventions crawling through the streets, and everyone throws away all reason. Grenzo leaned in close. All your precious cogwork is broken, scattered, and outlawed. Everything you dedicated yourself to is dead, and we, we are the hyenas picking at its bones. 
Now, stop acting like a scientist and start acting like a hyena. Doretti paused. The Academy seal at the bottom of the plans glittered gold. Doretti handed it back to Grenzo. Fuel. He could feel it ignite inside him. Doretti nodded. Burn it. Burn it all. Burn the ashes, burn the guilty, burn the righteous. Grenzo smiled. Doretti eyed something among the papers on the desk. His eyes widened. He withdrew some yellowed parchment. His hands shook. This is it, old man. This is it! He swallowed and spoke carefully. I believe it is time for us hyenas to stop congregating around this particular cadaver and seek a fresher one. His chair clanked into motion and carried him toward the stairs. Doretti moved with purpose now. Grenzo's smile broadened. He followed up the marble staircase. At the top, Doretti came to a sudden stop. He dropped the papers carefully in his lap and started searching himself, turning out pockets. I f- I've forgotten it! He turned to Grenzo and gave a pleading look. I must have misplaced it! Oh, we need to turn around! Oh, I could not possibly proceed without my speech! What? Suddenly you can't talk? No! <laughs> and I'm as startled as you! Look, smart guy. You know this. Grenzo, I don't. My mind is a blank. Oh, all that preparation for not. We'll reseal the door. We'll drag the guards out, return the papers. I'll review and return tomorrow night. Cub, you can relock a door, but you can't so easily put it back on its hinges. Now say it with me, whether or not I agree. To be honest is a constant. Yes, yes, that's it. <clears throat> to be honest is a constant, thankless churn. One cannot hide. One cannot hide behind honesty. Goblins? Fimerel stood in the hallway in his dressing gown, bedroom door open. Grenzo and Duretti exchanged glances. Thieves! Fimerel yelled and slammed the door. They chased after him. Doretti rattled the door. Locked. He looked to Grenzo. Another thump of his staff and the door collapsed. The elder human scientist was at the window, calling out. Someone help me! He turned toward them, shaking. Filthy! Goblin vermin in from the street! This is, this is a respectable neighborhood, and I am a respectable man. Duretti stared blankly. Grenzo tapped his chair with the staff. Doretti shook himself and began addressing Femorel. To be honest is a constant, thankless churn. One cannot hide behind honesty. Falsehood and deception is the chiefest sin for the scientist. And it is the burden of the honest to bring lies to bear and carry the falsifier to justice. Duretti's chair extended its mechanical legs, hoisting itself off from its wheels and raising him up to nearly the height of the ceiling. In the flickering lights of the street, Duretti was like some vast spider descending upon its prey. 
the whimpering academic shrunk to the ground. You may not remember my name, nor my face, but I suspect you remember my robes and my hat. I once wore my station with pride as an agent of the highest order, knowledge, and engineering, and truth. But you would know nothing of such virtues. The chair lurched the goblin forward, bringing their faces close enough that Duretti could see the beads of sweat running down the wrinkles of the old man's face. The Academy knows your name very well. Your name is written oh so many times. He held up the papers. Like this one. Fimarel went white. Do you recognize it? Do you recognize the handwriting? Oh, you criticized it. You criticized all my words, then took them as your own. You built your career on the back of my words. How dare you call us thieves, you sham! Duretti's breathing was heavy. His eyes narrowed. He balled up the top page of the manuscript and shoved it into Femorel's mouth. From behind them, Grenzo called out in an exasperated tone. Stop drawing this out, you green fool! This is Pagliano! Murder is how we get things done! Just kill him, and let's get on with it! Duretti and Femorel eyed each other awkwardly. Duretti called back. Will you please give me my moment? Grenzo raised his hands. Fine, but I'll be starting fires until you're done talking. Fimrel's eyes shifted between them. Duretti tried to regain his menacing composure. I, uh, I, the, the career I was, I was supposed, where was I? Fimarel spit out the page in his mouth. The manuscript I stole from you? Oh, yes. Well, it's you who is the... Ugh. Very well, let's get on with it. Duretti reached under Fimarel's legs and heaved him up and through the window. He tumbled down two stories and landed with a heavy thump on the street below. Duretti leaned forward and held himself by the windowsill to see the limp body. The ground was smeared red beneath it. It was done. So much time had passed since he was a young man, desperate to share his words with the Academy. He'd long ruminated on this moment, yet it was over in a flash. Not bad. Was that as cathartic as you hoped? Grenzo was beside him again. He held a large, ornate pot under one arm and a burning torch in the other. I believe it might have been. Next time, let me finish. Grenzo held up the pot. It was stuffed full of refuse. Duretti picked up the pages of his manuscript and dropped them in. Grenzo dropped the torch after them. The pot ignited with a crackle. One last step. Grenzo hoisted the pot to the window. Burning garbage rained down onto the Pagliano street. Somewhere in the city, the fireworks had begun again. Downstairs, Grenzo's minions had cleared out anything of value and were now smashing apart furniture. They swept it into the corners with heaps of paper and books. One poured oil over the pile. 
Doretti and Grenzo descended the staircase. Well, good work, my protege. You'll make a fine goblin yet. Your protege? No, no, no. Let's be clear here. You are my enforcer. Bah, you wish. More like you're my crony. Crony? Bas interrupted one of the goblin lackeys, holding a torch aloft. Uh, bosses, are you ready? We'll discuss this later, Grenzo. Yes, burn it, please. Burn it all down. The flames caught quickly and the fire crackled, crawling up the walls. Doretti shook his head. Let's head home. Ugh, back underground. Who's next on your list? His name's Alendis. Told me the Academy wasn't ready for a goblin. Told me I was bad for their reputation. Sounds like the oily bastard joined the custody. Well, if that means he's in league with Marchesa, then he's on my list too. Grenzo stepped out of the house and back into the garden. Doretti followed. Okay, you old crank. How about right-hand man? The air crackled. Fire burned behind them. Already, goblins were scattering in every direction. The queen used to run in shadows. Grenzo looked up at the smoky sky. She knew the game. She knew the sweet twist of a knife. Now she's got a comfy chair and locks every door at night. At least she knows how to throw a party. I suppose everyone leaves the shadows eventually. We should crash a party. We should crash all their parties. Overhead, pyrotechnics lit the sky in reds, blues, and greens. Doretti fanned himself with one hand. The night remained swelteringly hot.